Welcome back to Mortgage Economics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in British Columbia and Alberta. Born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you are from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today's headliner topic, I'm going to talk about if I had to pick a mortgage term right now, it would be... But before we begin... Here's what's on my mind this week. Okay, you've all heard about Canada's ambitious immigration commitments as of late. Um, Right now, we're tracking in over 400,000 immigrants per year. And by 2025, that number is expected to jump further to hit, in fact, 500,000 per year. And for how long uh, can we expect to see this world-beating inflow? Um, That remains to be seen. Here's an interesting little bit on this whole immigration influx. You're probably thinking, yeah, big deal. Probably all developed countries in the world are doing this. Um, That's not the case. Clearly, that's not the case. Canada is clearly an outlier in this immigration thing. Uh, And and on the flip side of things, Canada is also the highest ranking destination country from the immigrant perspective, like in the entire planet. So hundreds of thousands of people want to come here, want to come to Canada. Like, if we, if we really wanted to, we could jack up that immigration target to 1 million people. People would come. We would have that much uh, capacity. The demand is there. There are very few places on the planet that offer the standard of living that we have. And to be, I, I mean, the, the, the biggest kicker is, I think, the, what makes this the, the biggest destination. It's be public education in the healthcare system and uh, people around the world are like where do I sign like I, I want to be there so so just interesting tidbit there I, I, I kind of took it for granted I thought you know what like the, the US is probably hitting these numbers Australia is probably hitting it but that's not the case like Canada is clearly alone in its own class on this and uh, pretty soon uh, some are saying that expecting that the, the rest of the world is going to start competing uh, on this front. So we're seeing a spread and distribution of population uh, around the world uh, in progress. On January 1st, 2023, the prohibition of the purchase of residential property by Non-Canadians Act is expected to come into force. Uh, the government is still working on finalizing the details, if you can believe it. And uh, I'm personally, I'm wondering why there isn't really a mad rush into the market right now from non-Canadians. I mean, maybe there is, but not across my desk right now. We, we do have our fair share, but um, it, it's not any larger or smaller than the pace that we're used to. So the government's still working on finalizing these details, and here's what, what to expect. Uh, however, it's still not confirmed. And this is coming from a publication by CMHC. It's kind of like a survey um, on this ban. Sorry, not CMHC, but the, the actual government of Canada. Uh, So here are some points that it's looking like uh, might become real uh, very quick here. The two-year ban on purchasing Canadian real estate by anyone other than Canadian citizens and permanent residents. Okay, so unless you're in those two categories, this might affect you. However, temporary residents and non-Canadians who purchase with a spouse or common law are likely to be exempt from the prohibition. And I, I think I read deeper in there that they, they in fact are. It's, it's kind of confusing. But if you're here on a work permit, 
um, you are, according to what I'm reading and hearing, you will be fine. You will not be included in this two-year ban. Um, for those contravening the ban, it's going to be a $10,000 fee. Fine. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's steep enough. But anyhow, $10,000 fine. Uh, exemptions will be limited to the purchase of residential property not exceeding a purchase price of $500,000 anywhere in Canada. Okay, so that, that's interesting. They're actually putting in a price barrier. $500,000 um, that, that they would be eligible for. And uh, I'll report more on this uh, once there is a more conclusive report. And you can bet it's going to be before January 1st, 2023, when it comes into effect. So um, there's that little bit. Canada's housing silver lining. Um, Alberta. Housing starts are up 19.1% in October compared to the month before. And that's the highest month over month since uh, 2015. Meanwhile, the national average is minus 10.6%. Since the beginning of the year, the numbers are stronger even in Alberta at 22.3%. And even more so when we look from 2021, where the increase is a staggering 67.1%. So a lot of activity going on in Alberta. The big driver to this, interprovincial migration and generally stronger economic growth than other parts of the country. This, we are seeing a ton of uh, come across my desk, uh, interprovincial migrants moving from one province to another and um, setting up shop in, in Calgary and Edmonton mainly and uh, other parts as well. Uh, we've got a few in, in Red Deer as well to report. Um, so that is that. Uh, CPI, Consumer Price Index, hearing a lot about this. Um, just want to hear some interesting tidbits on CPI, the Consumer Price Index. And as you know, this is one of the primary indicators uh, where they gauge, you know, they make predictions on inflation. So it's a lagging indicator that they use to make uh, uh, informative decisions on, on the interest rates, upcoming interest rate hikes and so on. Calculated by Statistics Canada, the CPI represents changes in prices as experienced by Canadian consumers. So it measures price change by comparing, through time, the cost of a what they call a fixed basket of goods and services. So the CPI provides us with a, a measure of the general direction of price change over time for consumers as a whole, but the effects Basically, they will vary from household to household. So, for example, a family of four teenage athletes is likely to feel the rising cost of milk more intensely than a lactose intolerant couple with no kids. So this, this, this is hitting different people, different families at, with different varying degrees. The CPI basket includes hundreds of goods and services purchased at the retail level by consumers but it doesn't include everything bought and sold in the economy. And that, that's what makes this thing confusing. People are like, I, I don't get it. Price is dropping here, but they're saying it's going up over there, but I don't see this. Uh, like the steel bought by manufacturers, for example, is not included. And you need to use the industrial product price index for this information. So tons of moving parts here. Uh, the CPI is just the consumer portion of it. There are other indices to be aware of. The items in the CPI basket are, are grouped into eight main categories. There's food, 
shelter, household operations, furnishings and equipment, clothing and footwear, transportation, health and personal care, recreation, education and reading, alcohol beverages, tobacco products, and of course, recreational cannabis. That, that's, uh, I didn't expect that one, but that is in the basket. The items and their weights are updated as spending patterns change. For example, blank CDs have been replaced in the basket by music streaming services. Well, thank goodness they're thinking about things and, and making those changes. Statistics, uh, Statistics Canada adjusts for shrinkflation. You know, you're hearing shrinkflation. What the hell is the shrinkflation? Changes in the quantity or quality of the items in the basket. So, for example, you see this all the time. The price of a typical bag of chips stays the same, but the amount of chips in the bag goes down. This is taken into account, apparently. And, uh, yeah, I'm always suspect about shrinkflation, especially, you know, the airtight, sealed, puffy things like chips. Um, these bags, they seem to be getting larger and larger. Like, look at the aisle space these chips take up these days. So many tricky retail hacks out there. Uh, a lot of shrinkflation going on right before our eyes. Um, Whole Foods, by the way, is kind of not related. Um, Whole Foods isn't expensive as you think. Like, uh, I, I live uh, in North Vancouver and, and on Lonsdale Ave. We have quite a few grocery stores. And one of them is Whole Foods, which, you know, the stereotype with Whole Foods, it's like, oh, it's very expensive. It's all organic and this and that. Well, yes, it is. And yes, there are some expensive uh, uh, pieces or, or uh, food items and stuff like that in Whole Foods. But there are a lot of things in Whole Foods, Whole Foods that are cheaper than what you would probably purchase at your own bulk discount retail store, wherever you go, Loblaws, Superstore, whatever. So I'm not plugging Whole Foods here. I'm just saying, geez, if you can buy some good quality and not just buy it at a discount, but like buy it on the cheap, like you should check it out. If you have a Whole Foods in your neighborhood, like go for it. Okay. So, and uh, they do have a lot of good stuff. Um, economists are looking out for a wage price spiral. What the hell is a wage price spiral? Um, a wage price spiral occurs when rising prices increase demand for higher wages, which leads to higher production costs and further upward pressure on prices. So it's kind of like a vicious circle, what's going on, and, and you're starting to hear it, or it's, it's been happening in the past year or so, where you know unions uh, are going back to negotiate, you know, the, the, their agreements are coming due, and they're seeing this as an opportunity to demand higher wages for their people because, you know, the, the business that may be making a ton of profits these days because of inflation. And this is not good. So, you know, it, it's a bargaining chip that, that that's that's happening right now all across Canada, all across the world. And uh, it, it's very it's very harsh. It could lead to, you know, the circumstances that we don't want when it comes to inflation. So, you know, many people think it's a good argument, but I think this is one time where you could say that the inflation is transitory. That would be my argument if I'm the business owner. I'd be like, hey, listen, yeah, it's crazy out there. Inflation skyrocketing. Our prices are going up for various reasons. Um, don't take this as a, a, a pattern that you're going to see us on this crazy trajectory for the next five years. Why do I say five years? Because you're trying to negotiate with me for five years 
for these crazy wage increases that you want. So just little perspective. Um, what, you know, that, that, that's another thing that uh, I've not talked about too often, but it, it's happening. Uh, finally, interest rates, they remain unchanged from last week, thank God. Um, for the most part, two and three year fixed terms continue to be popular because of this thing called uh, negatively inverted yield curve, which I'm going to I'm going to talk about it in my talk here. Um, so two to three year rates are at 5.35% to 5.99%. The five year fixed rates are slightly lower and ranging from 5.05 to 5.74. So again, in my talk here, I'm going to talk about, you know, the, the I just mentioned a range of interest rates It's basically the same for all terms so why why in the heck would you go for a two three year term because of this negatively inverted yield curve which i'll talk about um, variable rate is on a bit of a hiatus um, again with prime rate currently at 5.95 percent and expected to increase further uh, to at least 6.2 percent before christmas here so the next uh, scheduled rate hike december 6th or 7th i forgot which precise date i think it's the 7th Anyhow, um, all indicators are pointing to another rate increase. Uh, apparently, it, the end is approaching. All right, so we're we're looking at another fifty to seventy-five basis points. It's very doubtful that that's all going to happen in one shot, December sixth. It could unravel uh, for the next three or six months. That that fifty to seventy-five basis point increase. So, uh, just. Stay light to the ground and uh, keep making your payments and, and keep tuning in here. And I'll try and give you as much uh, head time as possible when to expect these rates. Okay, let's move along and talk about today's headliner topic. If I had to pick a mortgage term right now, it would be. I hope you're getting some value out of today's talk. The whole idea is to dedicate an entire episode to one specific topic. So if it's something else you are looking to learn about, simply scroll through my past episodes and skim the titles for the particular topic you are looking for. And if you can't find what you're looking for, then send me a text and I'll be sure to talk about it in the following episode. Call or text me anytime at 604-800-9593 or find me at homefinancingsolutions.ca. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. There's been a lot of head-scratching going on the past few months about interest rates, but lately, the conversation has shifted away from the actual rate and more towards the strategic selection of term length. At the moment, around November 26th, or sorry, 29th, when this episode was recorded, it seems we are hovering in the 489 to 5.59% range for essentially all terms, ranging from 1% to 5-year fixed rate terms. And this is leaving many to ponder which rate and or term to proceed with. Regardless of where interest rates swing for the next year or two, there seems to be an industry-wide consensus when it comes to rate selection. Uh, The prevailing recommendation these days is to opt for a short-term rate now, then renew into what is expected to be a lower rate environment in the future. If you weren't aware before, you are now. Fixed mortgage rates in Canada correlate directly with the bond market. From these data sets, analysts are able to effectively make short-term predictions on mortgage interest rates. Essentially, an increase to the five-year Canadian bond yield over an extended period of time will translate to an increase in the five-year fixed rate for mortgages. However, another data set has emerged based on similar fundamentals, but with a slightly more revealing forecast. There's this thing called a negatively inverted yield curve. Okay, and in a nutshell, 
an inverted yield curve graph illustrates that long-term interest rates will be lower than current short-term lending rates. Let me repeat that. Long-term interest rates will be lower than current short-term lending rates. Furthermore, this type of yield inversion also implies, unfortunately, that a slowdown in the economy is looming, perhaps even a recession. So in summary, the data is suggesting that going short with a two or three year fixed rate mortgage term is a sound strategy as prevailing rates are expected to be lower in the future when the mortgage matures. And that's it. That's that. Go short, then renew long. Okay. A uh, little disclaimer here, some disclaimer points on this topic. Short-term mortgages recommendations, uh, they, they could be a, like one-year, two-year, or three-year fixed rate terms. Um, variable rate mortgages have not been discussed in this uh, episode, but they can also be considered short-term, so keep that in mind. This episode is not meant to discredit the poor little five-year fixed rate, um, as it is still an ideal and recommended term for many, many applicants. Okay, So we have the conversation, where do you fit the best? Selling your property ahead of your mortgage maturity, uh, your expiry date of of the mortgage, can result in substantial break penalties. have to always, always make that clear. Uh, All of the aforementioned need to be accounted for when selecting a mortgage. That's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage-related questions at all, especially if you're in British Columbia or Alberta, as I'm licensed to service these specific provinces, and especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary, as I'm very familiar with these markets. And of course, I welcome calls and emails from all over the world for those that are in the process of or have recently relocated or immigrated to Canada from elsewhere. Call or text me at 604-800-9593 or you can get me on WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or just go ahead and link up to my website, homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning in to Mortgage Anomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon.